The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Streaking toward a Super Bowl at the same time being ultra modern. We're top five in the NFL um, every single year since we opened the building and changes. And that comes from about 200,000 surveys. We do focus groups. Um, we do one on one interviews with our uh, season ticket members, our suite holders, and our corporate partners. That's Brett Shove, the Chief Revenue Officer of the San Francisco 49ers, where winning on and off the field have similar meanings. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Brett Shobe and the Niners are front-running toward their first Super Bowl title since the 1990s. Off the field, they have an organization worth emulating, too, for its modern viewpoints. You'll hear what they're doing in a bit. And you may recall when I went to Sonoma for our Tech and NASCAR series back in the summer. Well, we are revisiting the latest innovation with that sport, and it involves how gambling will be incorporated into their content streams. But first, the future is now. In recent weeks, the NBA has had to deal with a geopolitical firestorm, and there was no easy route to quashing all of that. Their financial transactions also remain at risk, but they believe there are ways to modernize and protect that. Alicia Jessup from The Athletic joins us now. Um, What are they experimenting with when it comes to blockchain technology and cryptocurrency? Yeah, so in 2014, the Sacramento Kings were the first NBA team to adopt Bitcoin as a form of currency that they would accept for ticket and merchandise purchases. And when that story broke five years ago, it was all the rage. It was front page news on all the major sport media sites, but you really haven't heard anything about it since. So I dug into the issue for The Athletic and It was really fascinating seeing how different teams are utilizing blockchain and the various approaches they're taking also with cryptocurrency. So the Kings are the most forward in the space, um, not only adopting Bitcoin as a form of currency they'll accept, but creating a blockchain fan loyalty program. So fans can essentially like check into a game and through that process earn points that are accumulated using blockchain technology that they can exchange for different prizes and rewards from the team. But of course, probably not surprisingly, the team that's closest behind the Kings in this space is the Dallas Mavericks, thanks in part to their owner, Mark Cuban's interest in cryptocurrency and tech in general. And so they've announced several partnerships also Um, in terms of accepting Bitcoin as a form of currency. And last year even had a naming, or excuse me, a Jersey ad sponsorship with a blockchain company. Um, Are are they, would the Kings talk about the success level of accepting Bitcoin? Yeah, so that was really interesting. Obviously, the valuation of Bitcoin has really fluctuated since 2014. So most people who own Bitcoin aren't spending it today in 2019. So there aren't a lot of people trying to transact Bitcoin with the Kings right now. But 
they said the one benefit to them in making the decision to accept it is it helps them build a new segment of fans. So they have all of these people who are now fans of the team who honestly probably wouldn't have been basketball fans but for this decision because these are cryptocurrency junkies spread spread all around the world who huh. don't think that this um this thing is really respected and they're like yes like this nba team is showing us respect so they love the kings now they're buying jerseys they're coming to games they're not spending their bitcoin but they're supporting the team that is maybe one of the most unintended consequences i've ever heard of that they would find fans by just allowing for this form of payment yeah, that honestly, they were really surprised by that, too. So I talked to the King's chief technology officer, a man named Ryan Montoya, who's honestly one of the brightest minds in sports. So he kind of has a crystal ball into how tech is used in sports. And so when he told me he was surprised, I thought that was pretty funny, too. But he said it was an unintended but wonderful consequence, if you will, to this decision. Um, let's talk about the rewards program that you kind of detailed there using blockchain. Um, how do you see that kind of modernizing and being spread out throughout the NBA and other sports for that matter? Yeah, so there's a number of teams off the record who told me that they are looking into this space of how they can utilize blockchain within their teams. And the, the most obvious space is for a rewards program, just because what blockchain does as an immutable permanent ledger, you don't run the risk of losing your rewards points. So think about like if you have a card for a store and you swipe that card, well, if you lose the card, you lose your points. And so blockchain takes away that issue we're moving to a more digital world and it's kind of interesting to imagine this but i imagine a world where in 50 years we're not really collecting physical tangible things but we're collecting things in this fourth dimension so this online digital space and so by putting your um putting your loyalty program there you're already entering this future world if you will you have placed us in the matrix for real. All right. That's what, <laughs> if that's what the world is, I think we can all live with it. Uh, Alicia Jessup from The Athletic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Up next, Brent Schaub, Chief Revenue Officer of the San Francisco 49ers on giving the modern fan what they want. This is the Future Sport Podcast. All right, quick disclaimer on Brent Shobe. Uh, we taped this, as you'll hear, obviously a few weeks ago. We just didn't want it to be off-putting to you when you hear me say they're 8-0 at the time and everyone knows what the record is now. Here's the interview with Brent Shobe. Our guest this week is the Chief Revenue Officer of the San Francisco 49ers, Brent Shobe, who, as of the time of this taping, and I hate saying it because I don't want to be the jinx, they are the only undefeated team in the NFL this year, halfway through their season. Hey, Brent, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, what is 8-0 like? You want to tell us that one? Hey, it, uh, it feels amazing. We could, we could definitely say the, the market sentiment here uh, in the Bay Area and, and really across the nation for the 49ers faithful is extremely strong, to say the least. Um, are you surprised at all? Is, that, is, this, is this at all surprising to be 8-0? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, we definitely knew we had the right leaders in place on the football side with, with John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan, and it just took a little time to, to rebuild. So uh, I think it seems like we have all of our pieces in place, both on offense and defense. And the locker room's always been uh, a very uh, positive atmosphere since those two guys came on board, and it's just really starting to click this year. Yeah, it really is. And so we wish you luck the rest of the way, but we want to talk about what's going on really outside of what's happening on the field throughout the process of um, your organization, which is a really forward-thinking group. Um, we've had on guests from your group doing the STEM programs out of your stadium. Can you kind of organizationally just kind of take us through how technology kind of guides the directions you want to go? Yeah, no doubt. So um, really when we looked to, to build Levi's Stadium five years ago now, um, which seems like it was yesterday, but it was five years ago now, um, as we were moving to the heart of Silicon Valley, we really um, took an initiative on our end to make sure it was a pillar of not only the stadium, but also our organization. So. On the Niners' side, um, from a business standpoint, we like to have the mantra um, of the fact that we're a legacy brand with an innovative mentality. And on the Levi's Stadium side, the three pillars we leaned on in terms of our decision-making process came down to fan experience, um, like every venue in sports entertainment was a big pillar. Also sustainability, just based on the fact that we're in Northern California and it's a key initiative for the marketplace. And then the third pillar came down to technology and innovation. So. As we set out to build Levi's Stadium, we really wanted to make sure we were encompassing uh, all there is that, that's in Silicon Valley. And really uh, what we've done is lean on our partners uh, to help us deliver uh, that pillar for us versus trying to pull it off on our own. Uh, listen, everyone says they want to compete with the in-home viewing experience. It's, it's seemingly harder um, said than done. Um, but you guys are trying really hard to encapture that. Can you take us through some of the ways by which Levi Stadium tries to match being on your couch? Yeah, absolutely. So, so one piece that we're really proud of, and this, this really came and stemmed from our business strategy and analytics team, is that we constantly make changes uh, in our building. So we're top five in the NFL um, every single year since we opened the building and changes, and that comes from about – 200,000 surveys, we do focus groups, um, we do one-on-one interviews with our uh, season ticket members, our suite holders, and our corporate partners to get feedback every year, and then we make changes from that standpoint. Um, so that's a big piece in terms of how we want to make sure we're constantly upgrading the experience. In terms of technology, something that we just rolled out uh, last season, uh, instead of having your traditional survey that goes out at the end of the game, takes a couple days to dive into the data, and then we can make changes, you know, maybe two to three days after a game for the next game. We worked with our partner SAP to roll out what we're calling the executive huddle presented by SAP. And what it does is we have all these data streams coming into one suite at Levi Stadium. So Ticketmaster data, we have our parking data, we have happy or not kiosks around all concession and bathroom areas. Um, whether you name it, social social uh, listing as well, it all rolls up into this suite, uh, and our business analytics team is able to see what's going on and compare it to other games. And anything that looks off, we get a signal, a predictive signal from um, the executive huddle that tells us we need to make a change. So whether it's the parking lot's full, we need to change an arrow from right to left to get ingress uh, in as fast as possible, or a concession stand ran out of hot dogs or a bathroom needs attention, 
whatever it may be, um, the executive huddle really is the, the nervous system or the central system of our stadium in regards to making changes on game days now. Um, through this period of time, have you been surprised by anything the fans have told you that they wanted? I don't know if surprise would be nothing that really surprising in our end. I think what we have, what we have learned is that outside of team performance, um, the executive huddle has you know matched our survey and has shown us that both parking, ingress and egress, and food and beverage are the two biggest predictors of fan satisfaction outside of what happens on the field. So, you know, that really dovetailed us into the member-inclusive menu that that we um, are looking to roll out for next season. Um, let's talk about content for a moment. Um, you guys launched um, what would be a first 8K video ecosystem um, throughout the stadium. Can, can you kind of take us through where that is taking you? Yeah, we're, we're really excited. So um, we were able to partner up with Foxconn, and they're the, uh, the makers of the iPhone. And uh, obviously they have a lot of business here in Silicon Valley, so we were able to get in front of their chairman a couple of years ago and just talk about what a technology roadmap looks for them, looks like for them. And it's, it's a brand that's not really well known. Um, they're kind of behind the scenes making the, the Apple iPhone and they wanted to get a techno- technology story out in the marketplace. So they have a end-to-end um, setup uh, because they just recently bought Sharp as well where we can record um, with their cameras and then with their uh, data center and then their Sharp TVs, we can record an AK and also distribute an AK. So as of today, we're, we're um, recording our press conferences um, with our coaches and players in 8K and we're able to use that as a beta test this year. And ultimately, we're trying to figure out how do we upgrade all of our uh, screens and displays in our building and eventually our video boards to 8K so we can not only record in 8K, but also distribute in 8K. Well, certainly my phone, my iPad, whatever. I, I mean, would I be able to see the difference in what you're shooting at this point? Not, not at this point in time. Uh, so there's cameras that capture 8K, but there's the, the end user or the consumer-based point, I would, I, I would say, in terms of 8K, there just aren't displays that are picking up on 8K outside of what Foxconn and a couple of others are making just on a test basis. So ultimately, they want to use the Niners as their test case um, to manufacture 8K to the consumer front as well. Um, for the fan experience, for the people who are attending the games, I, I want to go back to something you guys are doing as well, where, where you're offering the opportunity, if you bring your handheld device, to, to literally watch multiple angle replays. Is that right? That That's happening in, in seats right now? Yeah, it is. And, and when we when we first opened, we were, we were going back and forth and said, hey, you know, it's like the airline industry. Do you put a TV in the back of every seat? Um, in, in a hard, in a you know, hardware type device, or do we let fans bring their own device to the game? And what we were, what we were looking to work on with our fan base is, you know, first we wanted to go 100% mobile ticketing, um, which we were one of the first teams in the NFL to do that through our app. And then we said, hey, what else do fans want through our app experience? So we were able to roll out replays that are custom just for the fan. Um, we do some in-seat delivery service for the fan as well. Um, but really, the app is your hub on game days where you do not have to bring a physical ticket anymore or a parking pass, and everything that you need on a game day is on our Levi Stadium app. Um, where do you see gambling going in the state of California as it relates to the 49ers? Uh, personally, I hope they clear it as soon as possible. <laughs> because I think there are some partnerships that uh, other teams are doing that 
that aren't quite uh, up to par at our end right now just because of uh, the the political landscape. But um, I think, hey, there's there's definitely a a cautionary piece from the league side and the team side that you want to make sure that the integrity of the game is is not uh, affected in any capacity. But on the flip side of that, I truly believe that the fan fan engagement, um, both on-site and at home, will be much higher um, if you're you're putting a wager on a game. You have a much more of a vested interest than if you don't. I would imagine, going back to the the viewing experience in your seat, that putting a literal television monitor on every seat probably, one, probably wasn't cost-effective. Two, the technology is going to change. Three, they're going to break. We're at a football game here. <laughs> no, no right. doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Especially when arrivals come to town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple other things happening um, out that you guys are doing that are very interesting. Um, you guys rebranded what is a popular high school sports show. Is that right? That you guys are now literally part of amateur youth athletics there? Yeah. Yes, it is. And and really the directive from our ownership and, and my boss, our president, um, Al Guido. So... We're definitely a football team first, but we also want to expand our brand and become a become a sports entertainment company as well, um, which other teams are obviously doing doing some some of the similar things to us. Um, with Cal Cal High Sports itself, it is the most watched uh, high school sports program in the U.S. So for us, we saw it as an opportunity to invest in it, and obviously, we're all trying to grow our youth participation and our youth fan bases for the next generation of fans for each team. So we saw that as a great opportunity to not only capture our kind of home market here, but also capture the entire Bay Area marketplace as well. You know, it's interesting. I've heard of a lot of teams that are starting their own podcasts. I'm sure that you guys have yours that are that are coming out of there. You guys have a lot of different, clearly a lot of broadcast type technology that is coming out. You're packaging your own content. Um, do you think there's going to be a role for the traditional media in covering big-time sports teams down the road? It's a good question. I think um, the direction of the new NFL media uh, deals are up, I believe, mostly in 2021, heading into 2022. Um, I think if you if you read most of what's out there now, it seems like the NFL is still pretty bullish on um, traditional media outlets to to lean on for the broadcast of their games. But as you and I have both seen, there's a lot of non-traditional media outlets that are getting involved, right? So whether it was Yahoo five years ago dabbled into the streaming, uh, to Amazon now, to you name it, um, I'm really curious to see on my end how this all shakes out um, just due to the fact that the reach of your traditional broadcast at least seems to be a little larger than your, your new media streams. But as we know, that could change overnight. Yeah. Uh, one other topic I want to get to that you guys have that I think is is very interesting, and I don't know any other teams doing this, and I could be wrong, maybe they are, but you guys are in, involved in the fitness industry as well with locations where some, I assume that some of the practices that are implemented with your athletes is now performed for the public. Is that an accurate way to describe it? Yeah, we have we have a couple of different pieces on that front. So we just opened our own, our, our first gym called 49ers Fit. And we partnered with the, the founder of 24-Hour Fitness, who obviously has a little bit of experience in that space, which was great to lean on his expertise. And it was really a way, one, um, to expand our brand in the marketplace in an avenue that we thought really fit our brand. And then um, secondarily, um, it was just a good 
uh, business opportunity for us, quite honestly, and we've seen some significant success in just the first year of that facility. We're, we're trying to figure out if we can add some more facilities. The real estate in the Bay Area is a little expensive and hard to come by um, right now for a gym. But yes, we're definitely leaning on our strength and conditioning team, um, alumni, et cetera, to provide a, a gym experience that's a little different than other offerings in the marketplace right now. All right, I'll let you go with this, Brent. Um, so all these different things are happening, and clearly I would still think that the object is that the 49ers win football games. So how do you kind of keep all of this streamlined so that the main goal, which is winning, doesn't get lost in the shuffle? Yep, no doubt. That is no doubt the most important thing for all of us uh, when it's all said and done from, from ownership's directive. Uh, for all of the, the diversification of our businesses, it really comes down to, you know, additional staff in our end that's focused on these initiatives. So we're not necessarily pulling folks that are involved in, in the wins and losses side of the team performance piece into these initiatives. So we're just expanding our, our roster on the business side to, to handle all these new efforts on our end. And at the end of the day, we do believe that the more that we expand our brand, the more fans that we will add. Um, so folks watching Cal High Sports or folks going to 49ers Fit will uh, become, become you know, stronger fans or new fans, depending on the touch point. And in turn, um, will help the fan avidity in the marketplace, which can only help success in the field as well. Brett Schaub is the Chief Revenue Officer of the San Francisco 49ers. Thanks. Thank you. Up next, Scott Warfield, Managing Director of Gaming for NASCAR, describing the ways that sport will be formulating new ways to engage with their fans. This is the Future Sport Podcast. So let's take a minute here to thank our friends at 3Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers, but that's not all. They've helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups like Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. But they're also experts in user experience, cloud APIs, and artificial intelligence. So if you're looking for a dev partner to bring your future sport tech to light, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen. At Advance, you will. That's the number 3advance.com. And tell them Future Sport sent you. So gambling is here, and it is changing broadcasting and sports as we speak. That includes some sports that don't necessarily have gambling roll off the tongue. NASCAR is going all in, and Scott Warfield, the managing director of gaming for the sport, joins us now. Hey, Scott, how are you? Graham, good to be with you. So what is the interest level of NASCAR in gambling and gaming? And I guess I even want to kind of start by saying, are you surprised that there is that level of interest based on this is not the traditional sport that people gamble on? Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm, I would say I'm encouraged. Um, and we look at this opportunity um, not too dissimilar than from how we look at social media. We look at fantasy sports. Uh, this is an engagement play for us. So 
uh, if we can can tap into an audience um, that has interest in in sports betting by by offering different props bets um, and uh, engagement opportunities live during racing, uh, we think that can can have a, a, a monumental impact on our our business. Um, and and if you look at where uh, sports betting has been in much more mature markets overseas, where where 75, 80 percent of all betting is is in play. Um, that for us is the long-term um, uh, big, big, uh, big opportunity. And that if we can, uh, with our partners at BetGenius, uh, create a product that is live, high quality, in race, um, that allows fans and, and casual bettors to um, kind of make micro events within in the larger event. Uh, we think we can can drive TV ratings. We can put butts in seats. Um, so for us, again, I, the, the, the magic word here is engagement. So what does it look like? Um, in the middle of a race, the dynamics are changing, obviously, as the race progresses, and I better could bet on what? Yep, uh, that's exactly right. So right now, you know, we're looking at things like taking the race winner and the stage winner and making those um, what I'll call live, right? So Kyle Busch starts off at 7-2 to two odds because he's uh, the, the sitting on the pole. Um, he has some tire issues. He has to come in and pit. Those odds now slide all the way to 25 to 1, 30 to 1. As he makes his way through the field, you can obviously see those odds changing to 20 to 1, to 15 to 1, to 10 to 1. He's back up to the bumper of the leader with 10 to go. He's now down to 2 to 1. So giving, um, giving uh, bettors opportunities to come in on single bet types multiple times throughout an event. Um, the, the, the second piece of that is just creativity and innovation around new bet types. Our sport um, has, um, you know, not, not to point fingers, there has been a lack of creativity and innovation around those offerings. It's been basically two main bet types, race winner and series champion, pretty static. Um, we're looking at things, again, through our partnership with BetGenius at, at bet types like team of race winner, head-to-head matchups, driver par- um, groupings, uh, top three finish, top ten finish, exacta, trifectas, uh, number of cars on the lead lap, number of lead changes, the next fastest lap, who leads at lap 10, lap 20, lap 30. Um, all of those are options. Um, you know, certainly want to phase those in in a methodical way so we're not overwhelming the, the marketplace. Um, but, you know, the beautiful thing about NASCAR um, is that every lap is a, is a new opportunity, uh, and you have all 36 teams on the field at the same time. Um, they're running 200 miles an hour, inches apart, um, passing each other, incidents. Uh, you can imagine the, the, the opportunities to gamify our events. So how do you guys deal with your you're a national sport, so you're touring around the country, and in some places – Gambling is going to be legal and gambling isn't. So how are you guys kind of navigating the landscape of this is legal but not everywhere? Yeah, it's, it's pretty tricky. Uh, be honest, it's pretty tricky. But I, right now, you know, we're, um, we have races in Nevada and Pennsylvania. Um, and, in, and even this weekend we'll be in, in, in Delaware at, at Dover Downs. Um, so, you know, you, you'll see those tracks and those events have additional opportunities because sports betting is up and running there. Um, if you look at the state-by-state rollout uh, and, and who we're expecting to either come on um, in, in days, weeks, or months, or, or even as, there, you know, um, as long as next year, states like Iowa and Indiana and Illinois and Michigan and Tennessee and North Carolina, 
um, A, we have huge fan bases in those states. B, we run major events there. Um, so I think we'll, you know, by 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 that state by state rollout, we're going to have tremendous opportunities to to dial it up when we're there, um, and when we're in states where it's not, you know, you'll see less of that activation, obviously, um, at those facilities. That doesn't mean, you know, when we have three and a half million people that are watching our races every single weekend. Um, in all sorts of states that are either in legal betting states or neighboring legal betting states, um, you know, it's going to change that TV viewing experience as well. So it's it's kind of a, a you know dual dual opportunity here of of in venue um, and then kind of that at home viewing experience. In terms of the viewing experience for for those who are at home, um, the NASCAR broadcast is already a complicated one. You've got all these different cars. There's a lot of analytics and data that's being provided to a viewer that is strictly about how the race is going. Um, how do you envision this type of gaming and gambling being incorporated into the literal broadcast? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we have two fantastic partners on that side of um, side of our business in Fox and NBC. Um, Fox obviously has made a, a lot of noise with their um, you know, creation of Fox Bet through the Stars Group relationship. Um, NBC also um, has their, their their eye on this opportunity over time with um, you know different shoulder programming that they're they're currently doing. Um, you know the, that linear broadcast. I, you know it's it's going to develop. And you mentioned the the limited number of states it's currently in. You know it's probably going to take that critical mass of of states to come on board before you see a real massive change to the the main linear broadcast. Um, what I will say is, you know, I think it's super interesting if you look at what NBC has done with their regional sports networks and um, I believe D.C. and Philly um, around certain events where they have a, almost a companion viewing experience that's different announcers and it's a smaller screen um, of the actual uh, sporting event with all of the lines and, and updated data that, that's surrounding it and it becomes a little bit more of that kind of targeted approach. And I think that long term for all the sports is going to be important so that you're serving this type of content to the people that are looking for it and not serving it to people that that are no interest in it yeah you guys have really loyal fans that have been following this sport for a very long time i i wonder what if you've gauged their reaction to what these type of changes are or are they embracing it as well yeah we have their you know they're they're we have good research from them i mean they're 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 active in fantasy sports they're active in state lotteries they visit casinos on vacation um they're currently participating in sports betting one way or another around the nfl and college football and horse racing um and they're obviously massive nascar fantasy players um which is kind of uh you know we've had a, a relationship with DraftKings on the daily side since 2015 we have nascar fantasy live that has a garage pick which is almost in race betting before it you know that's that's free to play before it even started so we know there is a, a percentage of our fan base that is this to take their institutional knowledge about the sport and, and apply it in a fun and, and responsible way. Um, but again, to your point, not 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 all of them are going to be down for that. So it's got to be a balance. Um, you know, we've been fairly um, aggressive with our content strategy around this off of our O and O platforms, um, but we do that in a really um, careful way so that we're you know serving it to the, again to the people that are coming to NASCAR.com looking for that content, but not. Um, you know, not serving it to the others that, 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 that don't have interest right now. Um, and I'll leave you with this, too. Um, there are a lot of the sports with the legalization here have brought up things about integrity fees and proprietary information. 
And for some of us that follow this, we, we wonder what kind of stats could they actually produce of a basketball game that someone on the outside couldn't essentially replicate. But in your sport, it feels a little bit different. Um, do you feel like NASCAR has a level of advantage of proprietary information of what is literally happening in race? I do. I, I don't know how you can possibly offer in-race betting around NASCAR if you don't have uh, official data. It's, it's 36 cars running inches apart, 200 miles an hour on short tracks and road courses in particular, uh, even the, some of the mile and a half. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you, 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 there's some cars on the lead lap. There's some cars a lap down. Um, very, very, very hard to um, uh, replicate that from, A, the TV broadcast, or, B, putting squatters or whatever you want to call them in different corners of, of the raceways um, with stopwatches. It's going to be it's going to be next to impossible. Um, so, you know, we haven't been part of that um, debate so much because, again, I, for, for us, this is um, it, it almost to me uh, almost becomes a necessity when you start talking about in play or, or as we like to call it in race. And um, that to us is the big opportunity um, long term. Again, market not quite there here and, and domestically, but over time, um, as the American um, better kind of catches up to the European counterparts, um, you know, after the whistle or after the open flag is when we're going to see a, a bulk of the, the action happening. And, and, and we think that, you know, ha- having that official data through through Bad Genius is going to be vital. Scott Warfield is the managing director of gaming at NASCAR. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Graham. That will do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Graham Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.